Chorsey Eisen for like <laughs> dog. And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham County, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. We have a brilliant show lined up for you today with two of Cork's most exciting young sporting talents set to join us on the podcast. First up, we'll be chatting to Kinsale golfer John Murphy ahead of this weekend's Walker Cup at Seminole Golf Club in Florida. For those of you who aren't sure what the Walker Cup is, it's essentially the Ryder Cup for amateur golfers played between the leading amateurs from the USA and Great Britain and Ireland. The likes of Padraig Carrington, Rory McIlroy and even Tiger Woods played in the Walker Cup before making their names as professionals, so it's no mean feat from John to be selected for this prestigious event. We're also going to hear from Cork goalkeeper Patrick Collins ahead of the return of the National Hurling League this weekend. Cork take on Parky Cueve at 3.45 on Sunday. But Kieran, let's briefly start with events in Poland at the weekend. The Irish 4x400 metre Mixed relay team secured qualification for the Tokyo Olympics thanks to an incredible semi-final performance. And you'd have to say, well, we'd have to say definitely from our perspective that the Balanine bullet, Phil Healy, was the driving force. Let's hear some commentary now from Phil's leg of the relay. Here we go, Ireland. I did think they had a good squad when I looked at the individual athletes. This is Phil Healy. She's had another great season indoors. Great over 200 metres, fantastic over that 400 metres as well. And she's just got Lavia Nelson there from Great Britain right on her shoulder as they enter that last 100 metres. So it's Ireland, Great Britain and Brazil, one, two, three at the moment. What a run this is from Phil Healy. Boy, oh boy, she's easing away from the other pair, although the Brazilian coming back to her now, Marinho has run this fantastic final 100 there to hand over in the lead. Ireland in second, Great Britain in third on this third leg. Kieran, sensational from Phil again and from the entire team. Incredible stuff from Phil Healy, Jack. But we shouldn't be surprised. We know by now the Berlin Bullet just produces the goods time after time. It um, Just last week I put up a Twitter a video on Twitter of her from the depths of hell run for UCC four or five years ago. That's when Phil produced magic for UCC in a four by 400 meter final at the University Championships. And she was at it again in Poland. Um, I was chatting to Phil on Monday just to get her thoughts and reaction after a huge weekend for that Irish mixed media team because they've qualified for the Olympics in Tokyo this summer. They've also set a new national record. They've also qualified for the World Championships in 2022 in Oregon. But Phil's run, which was the second leg, it was so important. And from talking to Phil, she explained just why. Because in a relay event, um, in the second leg of the relay, wherever the runners break at the 200-meter mark of that second lap is how the runners at the third lap will line up. So that's why Phil made such a huge burst to get to the front. So Phil was first at the 200-meter mark in her leg. And that meant the next Irish runner got the inside lane for the third lap. And that really set Ireland on their way to an incredible result and a fast time that got them Olympic qualification. So 
there's no understating Phil's importance. Like she shot out of the blocks and you could see her sword jack past the other runners. It was an incredible um, race by her. Her 200 meter split was 23.2, which is 0.2 seconds off her own personal best. So again, Phil Healy produced the goods and she's in a very strong position now to, to go to the Olympics in this, um, in this mixed relay team. Very much like the rowing, it's the team that qualifies and the places won't be confirmed till probably end of June. But Phil, you would think, looks very, very, very likely to go in that mixed relay team. So that'll be confirmed. Like I said, I think it's the cutoff point is the end of June. So she'll have the mixed relay at the Olympics. She's looking good in the 200 metres. She was telling me too that she's going to step it up with the 400 metres. She's a couple of events coming up at the, start, at the end of May and the start of June. So it's looking like a pretty busy Tokyo for Phil Healy. Yeah, great stuff from Phil on the international stage again. And another West Cork athlete making his name on the international stage is Kinsale golfer John Murphy, who lines out for Great Britain and Ireland in the Walker Cup at Seminole this weekend. And Kieran, for those who don't know much about the Walker Cup, I obviously gave a brief introduction to what it's all about at the beginning of the show, but you may be might just double down on that and just kind of give some context as to how big a deal this is for John Murphy to be competing in this event at this stage of his career. This is the pinnacle of amateur golf. So what it's doing, it's pitting the Great Britain and Ireland team against the Americans. And it's on American soil this year. Like you said, it's on over in Florida and the Americans are the big favourites to retain the Walker Cup. John Murphy is one of two Irish golfers that had been picked on the Great Britain and Ireland team. The other golfer is Mark Power and he is the son of Eileen Rose McDade, the Skibbereen golfer that we featured in last week's Southern Star. So obviously very, very strong West Cork links to the to the two um, Irish golfers on the Great Britain and Ireland team. So the Walker Cup is played off over two days on, on Saturday and Sunday. It's match play golf. Um, eight of the 10 golfers will be in action in both the morning and afternoon sessions on both days. So expect a very busy weekend for John Murphy. And it was great to catch up with him again, Jack. We had him on the podcast last year after he won the Byron Nelson Award over in America. He's been in college over there for the last four years. Uh, he's... He's on the verge, too, of leaving the amateur ranks behind him and turning pro in the summer, which is very exciting for, for John Murphy. He also told me as well that he has the U.S. Open qualifying school. He's in the final round, sorry, for the qualifiers for the U.S. Open, and that's in June. So that's coming um, down the line very first. But all his focus now is on the Walker Cup this weekend. He's hoping it's going to be the week of his life. He flew into Florida last Friday. He's there for 10 days the action is that this Saturday and Sunday. So there, there'll be a lot of people from Kinsale, West Cork and Ireland cheering John Murphy on this weekend. And it's great to see too, Jack, in the video. And for those who are listening to this as an audio, it's well worth checking out the video because he's a lovely Kinsale number plate hanging in his, his, um, his college room at the University of Louisville. So home is never too far from John Murphy's mind. We're joined now on the podcast all the way from America by Kinsale golfer John Murphy, who was a very busy weekend ahead of him this Saturday and Sunday when he takes part in the Walker Cup with the Great Britain and Ireland team. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure as always. Uh, let's talk about, we'll go straight. So Walker Cup, what's the importance and the prestige of the Walker Cup? Yeah, I suppose kind of just the whole aura behind it, just the, the history of it. And, um, you know, every great name I can think of in the game of golf from GB and I or from the United States is 
played the Walker Cup. There's been some some great Walker Cups throughout the years. Um, you know, some great matches. It's you know obviously well followed by the golfing world. So um, you know, it's in the end of the day, it's just ten v ten, ten fellas from GB and I taking on ten lads from the USA. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And where does this rank in your list of achievements and what you've achieved in golf over the last couple of years? Um, yeah, look, if, if I'm honest, like I probably wouldn't have said my amateur career was complete without it I, as much as I wanted to say, oh, no, I'm not thinking about that or I don't care if I make Walker Cup or not. I, I don't think I, I would have really felt like my amateur career was properly finished until I managed to, to make the Walker Cup team. So it's a great way to, to finish to finish off my amateur career, I suppose. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just it was a, a great email and phone call to get to say that I've made it. And it certainly felt like a, a big feather in the cap. You were close to getting selected on the Walker Cup team back in 2019. So to get there now, like you said, it's almost the pinnacle of amateur golf. How much does it mean to you before you leave your amateur days behind you to be selected on the Walker Cup team? Yeah, absolutely. So every every other year, there's a, or every second year, there's the Walker Cup. And then the year that the Walker Cup's not on is Great Britain and Ireland play against the rest of Europe. And it's called the St. Andrews Trophy. And it's just not as... Uh, I mean, it was obviously a huge honour to be selected for that in 2018, but... You know, the goal was then still to get selected for the the Walker Cup in 2019. And I think I just kind of put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, I played great in 2018. I put myself in a great position to make it. If it was selected at the start of the year, I probably would have been a shoe-in. But, um, yeah, I just kind of probably put too much emphasis on it, focused too much on making the Walker Cup. And I was thinking, all right, if I finish here in this event and here in this event, I'll make it. But this year, or, or yeah, this time around, I just kind of, you know, I talked a lot with my coaching staff for just about staying grounded and staying present and, um, you know, just playing the best golf I can in the moment. And that'll, t- like, you know, it'll take care of itself in the end. If I play well enough to make it, I'll make it. If not, then so be it. But yeah, I, I certainly, uh, I'm delighted with how I managed to to handle my expectations and my pressures going into this Walker Cup and, you know, knowing that there were some really big events for, that the team would have been based off and I played great in those events. And um, yeah, that was certainly uh, very satisfying for me to, to get that redemption. Talk us through the Walker Cup, so the format of the competition this weekend in Florida. How does it play out over a couple of days? So there's uh, foursomes in the morning. Uh, sorry, it's on over Saturday and Sunday. Foursomes in the morning and singles in the afternoon. So eight of, eight of the ten play the foursomes in the morning. Eight of the ten play the singles in the afternoon. And that goes into Sunday as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a hectic few few days of golf. You know, it's I'm going down there today, um, which is the the 30th and I'm going to be there for a week and a half so it's going to be a long a long week and a half and you know I'm I'm buzzing to go to be honest I mean it's going to be it's going to be the best week of my life I hope so um, I'm looking forward to heading down and seeing all the lads in there and meeting up with them so yeah as I said it's going to be pretty hectic there's going to be a lot of duties and um, off the course stuff to do but yeah it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And playing in a team John how much different is that to playing on your own? Um, yeah the golf's a weird one because I mean you kind of just have to, in one sense, you, you almost have to be selfish and just do everything you can to to be the best player individually. And then collectively, um, everybody will come together as a team. So, I mean, as much as it is a team, it's still, you have to focus on, on yourself and make sure you're putting in your bit for the team so that, you know, that can have a knock-on effect to other players. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in the end of the day, if everybody can just make sure that they're doing their own bit, then that'll collectively come together. And But, yeah, I love the whole team environment. I mean, it's so much fun sharing these moments with other people because golf can be such an individual um, game at times. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing this, um, to sharing this moment with 
Nigel, well, I suppose, yeah, probably 12 or 13 other people who will be on the, on the, the in, in that team room, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully we can we can be sitting there on Sunday evening with a trophy in front of us. Sorry, John, you were saying earlier as well that there's a lot of trappings that go with the, with the week of a Walker Cup. So how important is it to stay focused on the action on the course itself on Saturday and Sunday? And what can you do to ensure that you are as focused as you can be? Yeah, absolutely. I think just the practice days leading up to it will be essential. You know, it's a it's a strange golf course. It's an incredible golf course, but there's a lot of a lot of kind of tricks to it um, around the greens and stuff. So I think the practice days leading up to it will be essential. You know, getting familiar with the place, getting comfortable with the place, um, and as well, I'm going to do my best to just kind of stay away from the the media side of it because that's going to be you know there's going to be a lot of that going on so i'm just going to do my best to just try treat it like i treat any other tournament and not get too caught up in the moment because in the end of the day we're there to to do a job and try to get that trophy back so um yeah that's that's going to be the the, the main goal this week you mentioned the course there and you said it was tricky have you played the course many times before is it challenging what's it like yeah, so anybody who was on the GBNI squad, the squad of 15 that was named at the start of the year, can uh, or had access to Seminole whenever they wanted. So I went down after a tournament I played a few, about two months ago now, uh, I'd say, and went down and just um, played the course three times over over that, um, over three days and met a lot of great people down there. Um, there's, I mean, it's it's an incredible place. There's just you get there and the golf course is like a, it's just like a community of people and a lot of really really great people and people who can connect you really well with with a lot of others so um yeah it was great getting to meet all these people I mean I met the likes of Fred Couples and stuff down there uh, a lot of great golfers um there's a lot of tour pros that were down there when I was there so uh it was cool to you know see all those people and, and put myself in that environment for a little bit and then just get to play the course and get familiar with the course was also uh, very important for me um, it's in a great area you know the weather's going to be great there's yeah just everything about where where it's on is very exciting and I'm looking forward to heading in there this afternoon and obviously you're taking on the Americans on their home soil how tough will that be and do you know do you know yet will there be fans allowed there because that'll definitely add to the atmosphere yeah so they're putting a, a maximum capacity of 1800 per day at the event so um, they, it'll certainly be limited but uh, there will there will definitely be a home advantage in that regard. You know they're going to have more support than we will. Um, I tried to I tried to sweet talk a few people when I was down there last time to try to get them on our side, but I'm not sure if it paid off. So we'll see now uh, when I get down there this week if they still like me or not. But we'll um yeah I suppose we'll just try try not think of that. And I mean they're going to have home advantage. You know they're they're going to be favourites this week. Uh, we're up against it. They're, the the USA team is incredible. They're going to have um yeah I, I suppose. I think they're all inside the top 25 of the world right now, the whole USA team. So, I mean, they're going to be really tough to beat. There's no doubt about it, but I'm, it's match play. Anything can happen. Um, I'm very confident in my ability to stand up against any of them and, and go head to head. And I know all the other boys will be as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, as I said, a hectic few days of match play. It's it's only two days of match play. So anything can happen. And yeah, we'll, we'll see Sunday evening how, how uh, it went. Hopefully the look of the Irish will shine through in Florida. And you're not the only Irish man on the, on the Great Britain and Ireland team. Mark Power, a Kilkenny golfer who has very, very strong links to West Cork, uh, John. So I'm claiming him as partly West Cork for this tournament because with an interview in our recent Southern Star with his mother, Eileen Rose McDade, who herself was a incredible golfer back in her day. She was at the top yeah. type Irish woman for in, in the early 90s. So um. When you're talking to Mark this week, you can tell him that he's now he's half a West Cork man for this week. But 
it must be great having a fella from home as well on, on the team so you can share this whole journey with him. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I was saying, I've said this a few times, that one of the first events I ever played, I actually started golf really late, and one of the first events I ever played was Munster under 15s in uh, McCroom and um, stood up onto the first tee and it was myself and Eric Rumley from my club and uh, a 13-year-old Mark Power stood up on the first tee with us and he was 13 years old and he was already turning heads. You know, he, he hit the ball nowhere, but he was just, he's just an exceptional talent. He has been since he started playing golf. I mean, obviously being the, the son of, um, who he is the son of is, is going to, you know, that, that's going to get you some attention from, from when you're young and that did get him some attention. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember him winning Connacht under 15s at that age when he was 13. He he's been on Irish team since he was 14, 15, and the first ever time I played for Ireland was out in France, and he was on the team. And I played foursomes with him a lot, and um, throughout the years, you know, we we get on great. We've we've had a lot of fun fun trips together and stuff, and it's just great to be able to share this moment with somebody like him. And into a week like this now, in such an important tournament and competition for you, how's your own golf at the moment? How are you playing, and how how have your recent competitions gone? Um, I struggled a bit there the last couple of competitions and I picked up a bit of a neck injury as well, which I, I wasn't able to practice for a little bit. So that didn't, uh, that didn't help. Um, but thankfully I got all that sorted and I've got a couple of good days in or good, good days of work in there the last few days. So, uh, my competitions so far have been, I mean, I was playing well for, for a period and then just struggled the last, the last couple of events, but that's fine. I mean, it's, that's all part of golf. So I'm looking forward to to turning all my attention out to the next week, which is all I can do. And I put in a, a few good days of work there the last few days. So, um, yeah, one more good week of prep now before the Walker Cup and I'll be good to go. We know in every sport and every sporting discipline, confidence plays a major role. So how much does confidence play a part in a golfer preparing for an event like this? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, I mean, confidence is everything, you know. Um, but there's a lot that you can do, I believe, about your confidence. You know, it's, it's very easy to sit back and feel sorry for yourself and, you know, um, shrug the shoulders and make your body language poor and whatnot. So I think it's it's just very important to remind yourself to to not fall into those traps and to there's a lot that you can do for your own confidence. And you know, I'm fully of the opinion that I I'm in control of um how I can prepare for the for the next week and I have full control of of my attitude towards the next week. So as long as I just keep keep a good frame of mind and if I can if I can do the things that I know will make me play well, then I'll be in a, in a good position for next weekend. And most of West Cork and all of Kinsale will be watching on next weekend just to see how things go. And I'm looking behind you now. I see a, a very apt number placed in your in, in your in your room, Kinsale. So, how much kind of that support from home? How important is that for you in a week like this? Ah, uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, that's kind of um, I was talking to my roommate about this, like if I don't know, like a week ago, about how there's different people driven by different things, and there's the ego side of it and the financial side of it and all that. And I, I would say. I was being honest with them and said I'm probably driven by the the eagle side of it and you know how great it feels for somebody from Kinsale to to send me a text saying oh we're, we're proud of you back here and stuff like that you know that that makes me feel um that makes me feel really good about what I'm doing and about about where I'm going and you know getting a getting a text off my parents or something or how happy they are when when I play well you know that makes me uh, that makes me I suppose that, that motivates me a lot to to be a better a better player and um yeah, just having all that support from Kinsale and um, knowing that there's that many people following my golf and following my journey so far, just, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm delighted to be from Kinsale. It's such an incredible place to, to have grown up and to be, to be a part of that environment growing up has been, you know, essential for me in terms of growing as a person. And um, 
I've been promoted with every resource I, I've ever needed to get better as a player. So yeah, thankfully, um, um, well, yeah, I suppose I'm looking forward to getting back and seeing everybody over summer and yeah, certainly Kinsale will, will always be home. And whereas Cork has ever been too far from you over the years, even though like you've been in America the last couple of years, you sent me a picture of your clubs last year and you'd pull, pull like a dog was it etched onto one of the clubs, which, um, which kind of st- stood out in my mind. It was just that, that O'Donovan's mentality kind of was, was turning up in the golf world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the golf clubs are there. I have, I have a few, uh, I, I think I pull like a dog on one of them, John Soilebu and the other ones. So yeah, it's just always nice to kind of remind myself of home. Um, and yeah, I suppose it's always nice to, you know, after after a bad day and whatnot, um, it's always nice to just remind myself of, you know, in the end of the day, I, I'm still going to get off the golf course and be able to talk to my parents. You know, I'm still going to, I still have a great life. I'm still, you know, I'm still very lucky to have the life that I do and to to have the people that I do around me. So, I mean, it just reminds me that, you know, it's it's never the end of the world. Um, it's never as bad as you think it is. So it's it's always great to remind myself of that and to, to remind myself that I do have a great support system around me. And you have plenty of big days to look forward to kind of even after the Walker Cup because off the back of winning the Byron Nelson Award last year, you got entry to the Byron Nelson Classic that's on, I think it's the week after the, the Walker Cup, but you've decided not to take up the invite till 2022. Can you talk to me some bit about that? Yeah, so I suppose just now that I'm finishing up my amateur career, um, I figured that I would have been cramming a lot into a few weeks if I was to to play that. And, you know, I was obviously, I, I hadn't been selected for Walker Cup at the time, but I was like, all right, best case scenario here is I get selected for Walker Cup and I'm going to be playing that and Byron Nelson and regionals or yeah, the national championship over here. So I just figured it was too much. And I also figured the fact that I had that opportunity to play it as a professional, I mean, that, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Um you know, with the the money and the opportunities that are at stake these days, and the PJ Tour to play as a professional, I certainly uh, think that was a, a great option for me to play that as a professional. So I'm going to be going back over summer and turning pro, turning pro at some point, probably at the start of summer, and um, taking it from there. So I'm I'm looking forward to taking up that opportunity to play in the Byron Nelson next May instead. Leaving your amateur days behind you and turning pro, is it exciting? Is it daunting? What are your thoughts about that? Um, again, I'm. I'm kind of just trying to take it step by step. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of, um, it's going to be busy times the the next few weeks, you know, trying to get everything sorted in terms of um, just when I get home, just trying to get the logistics of everything sorted out. Um, You know, my management company will be able to help me a lot with that. So uh, I wouldn't say it's daunting, no. I mean, in the end of the day, I just have to try and play the best golf that I can. I don't need to change anything. I know that my, I know that my good golf is good enough to compete. um, And that's the, that's the main thing for me. You know, I know that if I can just get myself into the position to be playing my good golf as regularly as possible, then I know I'm going to be fine. So, um, yeah, I suppose I just have to, I just have to not get too caught up in the whole, the whole, I suppose, egotistical side of turning professional. I'm still, you know, I still just have to play the best golf I can. I still have to stay present. I still have to do everything I can to be the best player I can be. So, uh, I don't want to get too caught up in, in that side of it. So, yeah, I suppose, we got back over summer and it might be it might be more daunting than it feels right now, but we'll, we'll see when the time comes. Will it be hard to say goodbye to America, John? You've been there for the last couple of years. It's been home, a home away from home for you. Like you've obviously had great times in America to kind of to close that chapter of your life. Is it is it bittersweet in a way? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, certainly. Um, you know, I lived with Hugh O'Hare and Devin Morley, Devin from Galway, Hugh from Belfast the last two years, and or sorry, the last four years. And they, we've just had such like 
I couldn't have imagined this this happening a few years ago when I was playing boys golf with them. We've just had an incredible time over here. And even we were at the races the other day and we were like, geez, we literally only have two weeks left here. Like this, you know, it's, it's going to be over after the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, just getting to to do all the incredible things we've got to do the last few years. I could only ever have imagined growing up, you know, as a, as a 15 or 16 year old, I was just thinking, right, I'm just going to go to UCC and, and uh, live, uh, I, I suppose, just get my degree from there. I, I didn't have any idea what I was going to do, what, what kind of career I was, I was going to have. Um, and then obviously the opportunity came out to play golf and I only ever could have imagined it getting to this point. So uh, yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm just, I feel very lucky to have gotten to, to share all these experiences with, with Hugh and Devin and to, to have got to live the American college lifestyle. And, um, you know, I've, as well as that, I've traveled the world. I've seen, I've been to Chile, I've been all over Europe, I've been all over America, I've been out to Hawaii, you know, I've, I've got to see some incredible places, meet some incredible people along the way. So it certainly is going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to, to leave this. I, I suppose it's been very easy for me as well. This college lifestyle, it's been very easy to, uh, you know, we show up at the airport at whatever time we're transported there. We do this, we do that, you know, everything's put in front of us. So that's going to be, it's going to be tough to leave that as well. But yeah, certainly I feel very lucky to, to have got to, to see the places I have and meet the people I did. So it's going to be tough to say goodbye. Well, hopefully you can sign off on a high this weekend. So the very best of luck to you, John, and your fellow West Cork men, Mark Power. Hope everything works out for you against America. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. The National Hurling League returns this Sunday and Cork are in action. They take on Waterford at Parky Cueve at 3.45 on Sunday. The number one goalkeeper's jersey is up for grabs after Anthony Nash retired in January and one of those vying for that position is Ballinhasic's Patrick Collins, who we're going to speak to now. But Kieran, before we do, tell us a little bit about Patrick and what we can expect from him this season. Patrick has been the understudy to Nash for the last couple of years, so it's about time the apprentice became the master uh, like I said, he made his debut in the Waterford Crystal Cup back in 2015 or 2016, and then he played in the league the following year. So um, Pat's been around the panel now for a good few years, and he feels like he's ready to step up and succeed Anthony Nash. Because if you look at it, he's been learning from Nash over the last couple of years. So he's picked up and gleaned as much information as he can off Nash. So now is his time to put his hand up and say, look, lads, I'm here. I want to be the Cork number one. The very interesting dynamic, Jack, is that he's competing against his younger brother, Jor, for that number one goalkeeping spot. So their club, Baron Hasek, is blessed with top-class goalkeepers. So they have the two best goalkeepers in the county for club and, and for county. Um, worth pointing out, too, that the game against Waterford at Parky Cueve is a 3.45pm throw-in this Sunday, and it's live on TG4 for anyone who wants to... TG Cahar for the angry whale goers out there. TG Cahar, so after correct me, TG Cahar, so this Sunday, um, for anyone who wants to watch that, it's it's just great, I think, the Jack, that the that live action is back. The GA season is thrown in this weekend. So um, Cork Hurling fans and Cork GA fans can can watch that. So um, Pat was in great form. He's looking forward to the start of the season. And as you'll hear now, he's quite determined to make that Cork goalkeeper jersey his own. We're joined now on the podcast by Cork Hurler and goalkeeper Pat Collins because the, the league is is throwing in this Sunday. So first off, welcome to the, pod, to the podcast, Pat. Thanks for being here and cheers again for contacting me in relation to doing the interview. So absolutely delighted. 
No, we're delighted to, to chat you, Pierre. Like I said, the league is throwing in this Sunday against Waterford in Parky Cueve. Um, what are your thoughts? You're probably itching to get back in the field. It's been so long now since the car curlers are playing. You probably can't wait to get back out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's delighted, I suppose. Um, we're straight into it, really. Um, so we're only back the last week or so. Um, so itching to get back over the last few months. But um, delighted we got it. Our turn date there recently, so I suppose strength of training again. So it's been it's been brilliant. Um, lucky in the fact that we have the opportunity to get back and playing games. Um, so it's a quick turnaround. Um, but look, the faster we get into the games, the better we, the better we are. I was like to to go back to collective training recently because you were training on your own for the last couple of months, and I presume after a while running the road becomes a bit monotonous, and you're nearly bouncing off the wall trying to get back into training. So let's say that first training session back as a collective group in that first week, what what did that feel like? How good was that to get back in as a group again? I suppose getting back it was it was a feeling that I kind of missed over the last few months. Um, I suppose during the lockdown, I was lucky in the fact that I had the brother drop. Um, we kind of. We, we train together, um, but I suppose whatever you do by yourself, you're still a bit kind of questioning, is it up to the same kind of pace as you would be fearing with the lads? Um, so during the afternoon, I was lucky there, just myself and the brother, but we're only itching to get back and get back into mixing with the lads again and get up into that tensity which that needs to be added as so. Like it's a fairly short run, running two path to the start of the league and then I was looking at the fixtures, it's Waterford this Sunday, May 9th, then it's away to Tipperary, home to Westmead. There's a, a game away to Limerick and then on June 13th, home to Galway. So you have five tough games there in a in a short space of time. But that's probably just what you want at this stage. Exactly, yeah. I suppose at the end of the day, we all play play games. Like, so um, even though there's a quick turnaround and there's a good value of games there, we're, um, we're delighted. Um, so the more games we kind of get, the better. So I suppose that's, that's what we train for at the end of the day. And you're probably looking to to nail down that number one jersey. Um, obviously Anthony Nash retired late last year, so that jersey is up for grabs, and you're the you're the man in in the running to take that jersey. So, mm. I suppose you made your senior debut back in 2015, I think, in the Water Crystal Cup, and you made your league debut in the, the year after. So you've served your apprenticeship, pal. Like you've been there um for a good couple of years around the panel, so you know what it takes to be a cock number one. Do you feel you're ready right now to step up and make that jersey your own? Yeah, 100%. I suppose over the last few years, I had the privilege of training with Anthony. Um, I suppose coming as a young flea kind of brought me under his wing a small bit. And I kind of, I kind of watched him over the last few years and kind of um, trying to learn as much as I can of him, really. I suppose he's he an experienced goalkeeper. Um, and so I suppose since he made the decision um, to step away, I suppose it's been something I've been kind of working towards. Um, but he's been a great servant of um, something, some personally learned a huge amount of stuff off. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something I'm working towards for the next few months and looking forward to, I suppose, the opportunity. Like you said there, Anthony Nash, what a servant for, for car curling. He was 16 years as a Cork senior, which is an incredible amount of time. <laughs> you were talking there about learning off him. So, what are some of the big lessons you would have learned off watching Anthony Nash train and play over the last couple of years? Yeah, I suppose coming in, I came, I came in at a young age. Um, wasn't too long out of leaving start. So, so when I first came in, the first thing I kind of noticed is the time and commitment he puts into it. Um, absolutely unbelievable. And the detail he goes into for the trainings, um, it's scary enough. But look, I, I had the, I was in a great position. I was, I was able to witness all that and try to learn as much as I could off him along the way. And um, that was kind of it, really. That's why we've been there for a few years. We kind of got to go to our finish up one. So 
we kind of even though it's competitive kind of relationship we we'll go practical on the way. So do you feel now, Pad, that this is your time to step up? Like I said earlier, you've served your apprenticeship. You've you've seen what's needed to be a car curling goalkeeper. You've learned from, from one of the best. So you feel this is your time now to show everyone what you can do? Oh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's an opportunity that I'd like to, to get anyway. But it's not like, um, I suppose there's, there's more keepers in the running as well. So I suppose there's, there's competition there for it. Um, so anyone, I suppose anyone of us can go get the nod, so it's just putting head down now and trying to, trying to nail the spot all going well Goalkeeping is very much in the family for you and your clan I was seeing there that, that your your father Pat was in the between the post between the sticks for Ben and Hassig back in the day and you've met you and Jared there too so how come everyone's drawn towards being a goalkeeper? I suppose the father really and like you said he played in goal for the club and I suppose growing up we kind of looked back here and it was the youngest man was thrown into goal, so we all got our chance at it. Um, but no, I suppose with the club as well, kind of Banassi has a strong tradition of goalkeepers. Um, I've always kind of played. I played a bit of time off field as well, but I suppose the, the, the age group above me were kind of stuck for a goalkeeper, and that's when I kind of got put into it at about 13 or 14. I suppose that's kind of kind of developed on from there. So, but no, no, I've kind of played goal out for the club as well, so it's my full time position now. I suppose the battle to become the Cork number one is a battle in itself, but I suppose the battle to be the number one goalkeeper in 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 the at home is a battle too. So what's that like with the brothers and stuff to crack? That's great crack. Like I saw them was having Jordan Ovi kind of stuck involved in the club and, and the lads inside. Um we've been a healthy enough for a relationship, but um I know we don't we don't mind it at all. What makes a good hurling goalkeeper pay? I suppose that's a, good, that's, a, that's a good question, you know. As well as, oh, Jesus, that's a tough question, you know. Um, what makes a good hope? As well as someone that can kind of adapt um, to the way your own team and as well as other teams kind of play. Um, someone who's always kind of willing to learn because it's, it's a position that's kind of changing over the last few years. Um, it's a position that I've seen change since I've started and get involved. Um, but um, no, I kind of, Kind of going from playing off fields into goal, I kind of found it a nice transition. Um, so, but no, it takes time, time and skill to put it's something that can be done. And you, you mentioned a good point there that we'd banned in goalkeeper Pat Prindergast on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said he's noticed that the, the role of a hurling goalkeeper has changed in the last couple of years. If you look at football mm-hmm. for a second, I suppose go back to I know Stephen Cluxton is the obvious example, but. What, what he did kind of help change the role of a football goalkeeper. But Pat was making the point as well that it's changing in terms of how hurling keeper works too and their importance. Have you noticed that too, that mm-hmm. that role has become far more important, short puckouts and all that? Definitely, yeah. I suppose something I saw firsthand, whatever, entity kind of did that to, um, to an unbelievable level. I suppose when I first kind of came, it was more kind of not longer range, but it wasn't as short style. Um, that's, it's, it's gone to no. Um, so it has going to change over the last few years, um, but no, this kind of game, the game's always kind of evolving. So I suppose it's up to us as keepers kind of to get up to that um, standard expectation. But short, short kind of type of hurling is has as you've seen the last few, the last few years. And like we've mentioned, Anthony Nash a couple of times, but Cork is such mm. an unbelievable tradition of goalkeepers before him, Don Lowe, Cusack, Joe Cunningham. This county just yeah. produces top class keeper after top class keeper. So. 
growing up, so, and we mentioned your father, Pat, who were your heroes? Like, who did you aspire to be like in terms of a goalkeeper you looked up to? Yes, like you said, like all the Cockles produce unbelievable keepers. Um, like Savantin and Jorah Cunningham, that. But uh, growing up, I kind of looked a lot toward Brendan Cummins from Tipperary. Um, thought he was a keeper who I kind of would have looked at a lot. Um, you know, a top class goalkeeper. But that's what at that time, then there was a lower keeper at the stage. You David Fitz, James Henry, Don Logue, as well as you had your, you had your fine pick there, whoever we wanted to look at. But um, I know it was. There's always keepers kind of coming up who who would keep eye on our eyes, like. But um, I suppose back in those years, that kind of generation we were spoiled for choice. Like we were saying there, that the, the National League is kicking off or throwing in this Sunday against Waterford. But to look a little bit further down the line, we had the club championship draws recently as well, Pan. Uh, Ballon Hasek found out your your opposition in the the Premier Intermediate Hurling Championship. I think you're in with Ahada Ballon Collig and Kilworth. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just saw the draw this morning because I was working last night, so I didn't get a look at it. But um, yeah, like you said, I had a clear work from Ban Collins, tough enough all draw. Uh, I suppose we'd be hoping to do, do a bit better than last year. We kind of didn't get out of the group, so we kind of get a good get a good run at it. Um, and hopefully trying to make that top two and trying to get out of the group. But no, there's there's no easy game there. Um, I suppose Premier to me, it's a competitive kind of group. So I suppose if you get a momentum going at all, it can be. It's up there. It's definitely taking. Um, but no, I'm definitely looking forward to even to get back with the club training. I suppose I haven't seen the lads in a while, but um, hopefully no, they, they get back to training in the next few weeks. Um, get the shorter face on and all good. And hopefully the club championships won't kick off till September because that means then the Cork have gone far deep, deep, deep exactly. in dogs. But isn't it just great for the club players back training from May 10th? You know, like it's been great to see the inter-county lads back training. Mm-hmm. But now the club players across all the different codes can go back. It's just it's a step forward and it's a positive news for them as well. I'd hundred percent I suppose like been answering the lads the last few weeks, they're only even though the lads are doing stuff by themselves, they're only itching to get back collectively, like so um that's no different with the club players in as well. So once the clubs get back and hopefully get a few league games in then throughout the summer and start championship then all going well at the end of the summer. Um yeah, look things are looking looking much more promising, positive. Um but Hopefully, no. Hopefully, no. There'll be a, a long season ahead in the championships for for, for both Cork and Bellinghassie. Good for you. Let you go. You mentioned about work there. You're working as a guard. So tell us a bit more about that, where you're based and how you're getting on. Yes, well, I, so I joined the guards there. I came to more last March. It's when kind of COVID started. Um, so I'm based in the city of St. Anne Street, Park City, at the moment. Um, so I've been out for the last year, year or so. Um, it's the job I'm absolutely loving. I suppose the job I kind of have an experience that's not kind of COVID related. So kind of you know, once things start opening, but of normality comes back, then I'll I get a real feel for it. But but no, I always had the kind of intention of of joining. Um, I kind of went to college first to get the degree behind me. But going to Templemore and becoming a guard was always kind of a dream of mine. I suppose I have a few cousins in it as well. Um, so kind of kind of talking to them the last few years, it's kind of a no-brainer for me kind of join really. And it's um. But no, it's so far so good. Something that I really kind of enjoy. I oh, know, great stuff, Pat. Great to hear that's going well. And so I want to wish you the best of luck for the for the league season ahead and, and a long championship campaign as well. And best of luck too for Ballon Hasek Hurlers late in the year. Thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Kieran, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap up, 
We're going to quickly preview this week's star sport section. So here we've obviously mentioned the Walker Cup. We've mentioned the return of the National Hurling League. What else can readers expect? And obviously Phil Healy will take pride of place in, in this Thursday Southern Star after her heroics in Poland. Big one this week, Jack, is the debut column of Michal Harley O'Sullivan. He's um, he's coming on board with us as a as a columnist. So his first offering is on page two of this Thursday Southern Star, and it's really, really good. Um, anyone who knows Harley O'Sullivan, he's a former Cork senior footballer. He's a Carby Rangers clubman um, and a former Carby Rangers senior football manager as well. Harley is incredible insight, both as a player and a manager. As a player, he played at the highest level. He played in the 99 All-Ireland Final. He helped his club, Kirby Rangers, rise up to, up to the senior ranks. He won a, a senior county with the Kirby footballers as well. And as a manager, he guided Kirby Rangers to a county senior football final, a couple of county senior football semifinals. And he also won a few Kelleher Shields as well. So... What we're hoping and what we know, what Harley will add to the Southern Star team is that knowledge, that insight. He's been there. He's done that. He's going to he's going to share a lot of his opinions and thoughts with us over the coming weeks and months. So very, very exciting addition to the Star Sport team. So that's well worth picking up this Thursday Southern Star. That's Harley O'Sullivan's first column. We also have an interview with Conor Coonan. He's the project coordinator for football and um, some great points he's raising here he's, he's actually concerned about the divisions in the, the county senior football championship and how they're going at the moment so that's an interesting one considering that the, the Carberry and Barrett teams are regulars there we've all the news too Jack on a, a tumultuous um, week for the Camogie Association and it's a story that's that's running and running at the moment because the players have threatened to boycott after the Camogie Association laid out their plans to put the club season before the All-Ireland Championship which will be later in the year and that was going against what the majority of players wanted so personally I think it's great that the players have stood up for themselves and said no 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 we don't want this listen to us please so it's gone back to the drawing board so we'll see what comes out of that the County Football and Hurling Championship draws were held last week and we've got reaction from various West Cork clubs. We are chatting to Castlehaven manager James McCarthy, Island Rovers boss Jason Whaley, Bendon uh, boss Colm Ahern, um, Donny's manager Declan O'Dwyer, just to get their thoughts and take on their different groups for the, for the, the various county championships. And again, there's a couple of West Cork groups of dating there, which is great news for us in the Southern Star. So it's a lot to look forward to in the months ahead when the club championships kick off. Um, so and also to finish off, there's a super piece by Martin Walsh in our motorsport uh, this week. He's caught up with a young band and teenager, Finn uh, Wilson, to chat about his motocross career. And this young man is one superb talent. He won his first race check when he was just five years old. And he's tipped for the top and great pictures, great column by Martin Walsh again this week. So this Brilliant week's Southern yeah. Star is absolutely loaded. And I'd recommend anyone to go out and pick it up because uh, entertainment guaranteed. Just pick up the star, get a cup of coffee or get a glass of milk if you're me because I'm not a, a drinker of tea or coffee. Sit back and enjoy it and let us entertain you, as Robbie Williams said. Bring yourself, Kieran, yeah, as mentioned it will be available in shops across west cork and beyond from thursday morning and of course if you can't make it to a shop for whatever reason you can always just jump online and subscribe to the southern star digital edition go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper 
And you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Great, great, great value. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlin.